Well, today's message is going to have various scriptures. And the title of the message is, You Can Handle the Truth. You can handle it, okay? Anybody remember the movie in the late 90s with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson called A Few Good Men? And Tom Cruise came out with the big, big climactic scene. I want the truth. And what did Jack Nicholson's character say? You can handle the truth. And by the way, for those of you online, everybody in the audience just said it the same way I did. You can handle the truth. (laughs) Well, today can be fun if we let it. It can be joyful. It can put wind in your sails. But it can also hurt your feelings if you choose to let it hurt you. See, I want to start with two pictures today. These are pictures I took out of my office. Now, a lot of times we'll bring you behind the curtain in, in radio and in broadcasting to show you, you know, Mike Shaw always uses the phrase, you want to see how the sausage is made, you know, um, because it's really not as glamorous as what you think it is. And if you've ever been on a movie set, it's like, really, this is what they're doing? Watch the behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings, because that's all that Emily's had on for the last three days. And the behind the scenes, you'll see uh, Gandalf and Aragorn do their scenes, and you see it from a different perspective, and it's like, That's not as dramatic as what it is in the movie. And so there's always different things. But every Sunday, I have two things that I've created in my office that I go and I just, I read and I just ask God to help me. Every Sunday. Here's the first one. First one is King Jehoshaphat. Do you have it? Really? I put him in there. I'll tell you about it. All right. Well, I'm going to have to uh, actually read it to you. It says this. Where is it? There it is. This one has been hanging in my office for 10 years. And, And it's in different colors, too. And that's weird, but... It's just, they're just words printed on paper that I have hanging up in my office. You can come up and see them anytime you want. It said, God told King Jehoshaphat, the battle is not yours but God's. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them. I will be with you. I have spoken in front of 20,000 plus multiple times, but I've also flown in a small plane in high winds to do church with four people. You want to know what the difference is? There is none. You still have to face them with the truth of God's word. And when you do that, it can be intimidating and it can get discouraging, but there's also joy there because you know that God is with you. The other sign is actually one of our points when we get to it later this morning. And it says this, better to speak the truth that hurts than heals than to tell a lie that comforts and then kills. What if I told you that in the Bible there is a truth, there is a statement by Jesus himself that if you hear it and understand and obey it, it is the secret to the real authentic life. Would you want to hear it? It includes three distinct things. I don't say that this is the secret of life, but Jesus says, this is the ticket. 
This is the way to true freedom in Christ, a life that's actually worth living. So many of us really believe we can handle the truth. So let's find out. You ready for it? I'm gonna give it to you twice. I'm gonna give it to you the ESV and then I'm gonna give it to you in the NLT. It's in Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Here we go with the ESV. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his own soul? How about the NLT? It says it this way. A little different. But I want you to get kind of a, a full panoramic view of what Jesus is saying here in all kinds of English language. So in verse 24 of the NLT, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So what is the real truth of deny yourself, give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me? What does that really mean? Well, it can mean different for you, different for me. Nah, Jesus is saying this is, the, this is the deal. You know, he's not just talking to his disciples alone at this point. This statement of purpose was not limited or restricted to church leaders or the spiritually mature. He said no one can be his disciple unless they follow this threefold secret to an authentic life in Christ. So the first step is to deny yourself. The NLT says give up your own way. See, the Lord knew that no one could possibly take up their cross if they remained self-centered. It wasn't possible. Now keep in mind, this statement is well before Jesus had to carry his own cross. He is talking culturally to his peeps, all right? In the first century, when you saw someone literally carrying a cross, you immediately knew several things about them. Straight up, right away. First, life as they knew it was over. Criminals were forced to carry their own cross to their execution site. It was one of the final humiliations inflicted on the condemned. Seeing a person carrying a cross in public this was an announcement to anyone who saw that they were facing impending doom, impending demise. Make sense? Now, it didn't matter whether this was a storekeeper, a blacksmith, a farmer, a politician, or a banker. It did not matter. Whatever their career pursuits were, were now finished permanently. That's what seeing somebody carrying their cross in that culture meant when Jesus said it to those guys. Didn't matter if they were going to retire near the great sea or if they had plans to be near their grandchildren or any other plans people make. Their future was no longer their own. By the way, their possessions also didn't matter any longer. Every detail of their life was dominated by the one pervasive reality in their life. They were now carrying a cross. Hundreds of people down through history, hundreds of people Emily and I have met over the years, 
wanted to be disciples of Jesus, but they did not want to carry a cross. That was a price they weren't willing to pay. See, many, especially in the Christian industry, are fans of Jesus. But to be a follower, to be a disciple, our Lord himself says it's a different deal. See, many will, today will want to say a sinner's prayer, but they have no desire to set aside what they've got going on. No inclination that after the sinner's prayer, they might have to set aside their plans and desires. Many want to know how much sin they can keep in their lives and still be saved. That's a question I've had with many people over the years. What a waste of intellectual energy when you hear Jesus say what it means to be a follower. See, many will seek salvation, but they stiff-arm sanctification, which now is being twisted into a term that's used a lot in the visible church as spiritual formation, which means your intellect and your, your insight is gonna really help you. Really? Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross is the way. See, there are folks who feel certain they're positive in their Christianity that God would never ask them to make a sacrifice. They are resentful if he leads them into a period of suffering. How do I know that? Because I have been one of these folks. Is that you? Can you see it? To truly take up our cross, we must surrender our desires. If you hear anyone telling you that God is in the business of fulfilling all your desires, they're liars. Don't you see it? It takes our Lord and makes him our servant. This is not reality in the authentic kingdom of Jesus. I wish it was. Not by any stretch is Jesus' goal for you not by any stretch is Jesus' goal for you is to make your dreams come true. That is not what Jesus has come to do. When the Bible says God will give you the desires of your heart, it's coming from a surrendered perspective. See, what will happen is your desires will organically, naturally line up with what God has planned for you. Listen. Some people are willed and called by God to have financial success. Some people are willed and called by God to different things. We are giving different circumstances. Some are called to be tall. Others, not so much. Some are created to be leaders and others with a disposition to be faithful followers. It doesn't matter whatever you're given. Chances are it's much. And what does the Bible say? To whom much is given, much is required. So see, when our desire is not my will, Lord, but yours, incredible things start to line up and joy begins to bubble over. And dreams and desires, when real salvation comes to those who truly want to be his desires, his disciples, they change organically. It's, it's crazy, but it's true. Look, modern society straight up rejects this message. Can you handle the truth? Yes, you can. Rather than denying ourselves, psychologists and even many now in the lost visible church tell us to affirm ourselves rather than thinking of ourselves less. 
Everywhere we turn in 2024, we're encouraged to be self-absorbed and to avoid anything that appears demeaning. To be a servant? <laughs> Absolutely not, says this world. In the Christian industry, which includes churches, broadcast companies, TV, web developers, all of them. In that industry, because that's what it is, many have concluded that our crucified Savior does not expect you to pick up your cross. I mean, come on. That's not the genie Jesus I want to have, says the culture. But the Bible says something different. Sorry, not sorry. Go out and face them. I'll be with you. Jesus dropped a huge dime when he said, you want to be a follower? Here's the deal. This is the deal. Deny yourself, give up your own way, pick up your cross, and then follow me. And it is so much more than just surrendering pride and selfishness. It is actually carrying a cross. And we must carry our own. Now, don't miss this part. We must carry our own. But like Simon of Cyrene helped Jesus on the way to Calvary so others can help you carry yours. But make no mistake, it's yours to carry. But don't you see? This is why true believers bond together. Bearing a cross is hard and is best done within a community of fellow cross bearers. That's why I love it here. We have many Cross helpers here at Fresh Encounter Church. Sidebar, you cannot crucify part of yourself. You can't have your fears crucified and keep your unforgiveness and greed as an example. He slays all of it. And in light of what I've just said, let's look at Galatians 2.20 with what Paul says. He doubles down on exactly what I'm talking about. He says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't know about you, but that gets me pretty jacked. He loves me and gave himself for me. This is what Bonhoeffer said. To deny ourselves and take up our cross means there is no place we will not go, no sacrifice we will not make, and no command we will not obey. Well, I gave my life to the Lord back in 1992, uh, or whatever. Did you really? Did you really give your life to the Lord? Now, some of you, it's true. I see it not in just your testimony, but in your actions, in your attitude, in your countenance. It's called discernment. And for some of you, it was true, but some things have changed. And you need to come back to Jesus and back to the cross. Jesus is talking about living a life of those who are all practically, for worldly purposes, and however you want to describe it, Jesus is talking about being dead. And what's one benefit of being dead? Because if you're carrying your cross, you're effectively dead to society in that world when he spoke it. So what's one of the benefits? Well, dead people can stand on the truth easier. Why? 
because we don't really care what the liars are selling. We only have time for the truth. It's not hard. Align with the whole counsel of scripture, and if it doesn't line up, reject it. You say, Chris, how do you, how do you connect pick up your cross teaching today with the abundant life promised in John 10.10? 10? Sounds like a contradiction. Well, there are many seemingly contradictions until you fully understand, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. You know, listen, this is what the Bible actually says. If you want to take them completely out of context, you put them in context, the whole scripture of God makes total sense. But do you realize the Bible says that you are to judge correctly and you will know them by their fruits? And the Bible also says, judge not lest you be judged. What's going on there? It's a context thing. Bible also says to live is to die and to die is to live. See, once you are fully surrendered to Jesus, you will know the peace and joy that are exclusively experienced by his true children, his true disciples. And that's what we want for all of you. That's what I want for myself. So I want to continue the connection of this point, handling the truth in abundant life. And I want you to see how it plays out in a chapter in the Old Testament. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 22. And I want to continue that connection point as we see a prophet of God carrying the cross of truth. And it's in 1 Kings 22. We're going to go through 1 through 14, but it's really the whole chapter. I'm going to start to read it to you, and we're going to see where this goes. For three years there was no war between Aram and Israel. Then during the third year, King Jehoshaphat of Judah went to visit King Ahab of Israel. During the visit, the king of Israel said to his officials, Do you realize that the town of Ramoth-Gilead belongs to us? And yet we've done nothing to recapture it from the king of Aram. Is Ahab talking, of course. Then he turned to Jehoshaphat and asked, Will you join me in battle to recover Ramoth-Gilead? Now, Jehoshaphat's visiting. Jehoshaphat is a true believer. Ahab, as we know, is not. Ahab's in love with himself. And there's just tons of scripture references to, to prove that. And so, in the other part of verse 4, Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, Why, of course, you and I are as one. Unity's a good thing, right? My troops are your troops, and my horses are your horses. Then Jehoshaphat added, don't miss this, but first, let's find out what the Lord says. See, that's what believers do. It's good. Israel, Judah, we're trying, to, we're trying to unite the clans. And that's a good thing. But Jehoshaphat says, as for me, I have to consult what the Lord says. So the king of Israel, that's Ahab, summoned the prophets, about 400 of them. That number, keep that in your mind if you think of the Elijah story with his wife Jezebel, you know, a little later in the, in the text. And asked them, should I go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should I hold back? They all replied. It doesn't say they consulted. It doesn't say they did anything. They just immediately replied, yes, go right ahead. The Lord will give the king victory. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not also a prophet of the Lord here? Should we ask him the same question? A prophet of the Lord? Not just a prophet, but a prophet of the Lord? Shouldn't we ask him the same question? Then Ahab turns and tells Jehoshaphat in verse 8, there is one more man who we could consult the Lord for us, but I hate him. He never prophesies anything but trouble for me. His name is Micaiah, son of Imlah. (laughs) 
Jehoshaphat replies, and I really wish I could be there for this conversation. I'd I'd love to see the look on Jehoshaphat's face. That's not the way a king should talk. Let's hear what he has to say. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, quick, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah. So now Micaiah has some decision to make whether he's going to prophesy for or against Ahab. Look at the pressure he's under. King Ahab of Israel, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, dressed in their royal robes, were sitting on thrones at the threshing floor near the gate of Samaria. All of Arab's, uh, Ahab's prophets were prophesying there in front of them. Verse 11, you want to see a butt kisser? This is the ultimate butt kissing in the Bible right here. Verse 11, one of them, Zedekiah, son of Kenaniah, made some iron horns and proclaimed, this is what the Lord said, these horns, you will gore the Arminians to death. You know who I'm talking about. Anybody who's ever been in the corporate environment knows this guy, right? (laughs) All the other prophets then doubled down with him. They agreed. Yes, they said, go up to Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, for the Lord will give the king victory. Meanwhile, all this is going down, okay, the messenger who went to get Micaiah said to him in verse 13, look, all the prophets are promising victory for the king. Be sure that you agree with them and promise success. You want to translate this into 2024 in the pastoral ministry? You want to grow your church? Don't ever tell them the stuff I'm telling you this morning. Promise them health, wealth, and success. Talk about God's love and how much he loves you. Talk about that kind of truth, because it's true. But stay there. Don't come over here, because that's not how you grow a church. 14. Here it is. Here's the bada-bing, bada-boom. But Micaiah replied, as surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what the Lord tells me to say. See, 1 Kings 22 tells the story of a prophet with an unchanging message to a changing world. After receiving counsel from 400 pandering loser prophets, King Ahab and Jehoshaphat hear from Micaiah, the true prophet of God. And rather than saying what they want to hear, Micaiah proclaims, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that is what I will speak. Okay, so now hold on to that thought, because I want to show you five things we can learn from Micaiah's bold response. Five things. It is better, number one, it is better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. Sounds like common sense, right? It is better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. Devoted believer Jehoshaphat had made an unholy political alliance with the wicked king Ahab. Now, unity is wonderful. It's a blessed thing. The church is called to do everything we can to preserve unity. But it must only be unity in Christ and in Christ alone. See, the time has come. 2024 is not like other years. We are not in the same environment. The time has come to choose sides. You can't have one foot in the world trying to blend God's holy word with the cultural cesspool of self-centeredness and debauchery. Sorry. You will see clearly the will of God when you have picked up your cross. Point number two. It is better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than to tell a lie that comforts and then kills. Every week when I'm writing the stuff that I share with you, I look at that at least two or three times. 
Because there are so many times it's like, I don't really want to go there. Four hundred prophets before Micaiah, they lied to please the king. But Micaiah refused to be bought or intimidated. Adrian Rogers says this, I love this quote, rough truth is better than polished falsehood. So our rough truth for today is, Jesus says, listen now, no one can be his disciple, his follower, unless they deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. You can be a fan of Jesus, but then you got Matthew 7, 21 through 24 waiting for you on the other side. Look that up on your own time. Remember Bonhoeffer, to deny ourselves and take up our cross means there is no place we will not go, no sacrifice we will not make, and no command we will not obey. When God prompts us on our heart, we, we, we start to hear the shepherd more because we're carrying our cross. And that makes sense. Sure, I'm going to do that. That doesn't make sense, Lord. Are you sure? And then you line that up with Scripture. And now you know that this path is for you. And so you walk it. Because there's no command we will not obey. Look, the cross played a central role in Jesus' life. So he's fully intends for it to be pivotal in our life. Now, if anybody wants to follow me, let him take up his cross and follow me then. Let him deny himself. That's all areas of life. That's your longings. That's your dreams. That's your everything. And you'll be surprised how our loving Father on some of your longings, some of your dreams, he will actually double down and give you. Because he wants the best for you. But it's as you're denying yourself and carrying your cross. So sometimes he says no. See, it also includes finding your assignment. What is God calling you to do in this time? What does living out your purpose look like for you? Now, listen now. Much of your assignment may have not much to do with Fresh Encounter Church. That's real. We may be just a resource for you to stay strong while you're out there doing what God has without question told you to do and you're being obedient. But what about serving somewhere in the church? Is that important? You bet it is. Volunteer as much as you can in this church would be a great place to start. Well, how do I do that? Well, see me or Claire or email us if you're watching online, call us. Talk to us. Send us a letter. There's some incredible, easy things you could do to help move the needle here at Fresh Encounter Church. Well, what about dollars? What about our money? What about the ducats? What about the dead presidents? Do you cheerfully give to the purposes of God? <gasps> Uh-oh, pastor dude's about to go all televangelist on us. Seriously, how do you view your money and resources in view of being authentic disciples of Jesus? Is it all about tithes and offerings? Hardly. Think about it now. The tithe means tenth. That is Old Testament and very wise and a great number to use. And many of us use that number, try to stay in that number. But we are under a new covenant. So we can pick whatever dollar figure, whatever percentage we want, right? The answer is yes, right, that's true. But let me tell you how that works in God's economy. 
It is true you can pick whatever dollar figure or whatever percentage you decide that's between you and God. Let me give you some examples before I tell you what, how it really works in God's economy. I know a couple that has landed on 6% for whatever reason. Perfectly fine. I know net people who give off their net, and I know gross people who give off their growth, and many are committed to that. It's per- perfectly fine either way. What a stupid thing to divide yourself over. I know a guy who does $100 a paycheck regardless of how big his check is or how small it is. $100 a paycheck, that's his deal. I know a business guy in Birmingham, Alabama, who commits 90% of his take-home pay to a tithe to his local church. He went from 10% to 20% on up as his business grew. He started out as a landscaper laborer and branched out on his own 25 plus years ago. And his company today does over a million dollars a month in business. He said God's blessing was such that now he lands at 90% of his take home, his tithe to the kingdom. But know this, all of these examples have one thing in common. You want to know what it is? They do it first. They practice the commitment of first fruits. They practice the commitment of I'm going to give the Lord first of my increase, that shall it be. Money given first and is set aside for the Lord's work. You ever think about Cain and Abel? Why was Abel's offering blessed and Cain's was cursed? Some said, well, Abel sacrificed the blood of the, of the flock and Cain brought fruits and vegetables. That's not it. That's not it. it wasn't, the blood sacrifice wasn't established. The church wasn't established. This is Cain and Abel. Abel took the first of his flocks and dedicated it to the Lord, the best of his flocks. And if you read the scripture, it says, Cain, in a matter of time, brought the fruits and vegetables. In other words, whenever Cain got around to it, God demands to be first. And that's part of picking up your cross. He's the Lord of all, and some say if not, then he's not the Lord at all. We can debate that till the cows come home. But the point is this. Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to be a disciple? Or do you want to get the sinner's prayer and just enough salvation so that you skate in? Point number three. It is better to be hated for telling the truth than to be loved for telling a lie. It is better to be hated for telling the truth than be loved for telling a lie. Sometimes folks will assume that those who tell the truth are their enemies. King Ahab hated Micaiah. says so right in our text. Prophets and disciples all through scripture face persecution, including Jesus himself. People of God will not be loved by this world. And I will add, we will not be loved by the person who is delusional about their relationship with Christ, but yet has bent the knee to this crooked generation. We will not be loved nor respected by folks who claim Christ, but yet in reality are as self-centered as the average unbeliever. That's hard. That's harsh. It's also true. Point number four. It is better to stand alone with the truth than to be wrong with a multitude. The king's council tried to soften Micaiah, begging him to agree with the other prophets. But he stood by his conviction from God. The majority is almost always wrong. Men and women of God have always stood alone. Why do you and I forget this? 
Why do we forget? It's like some days I feel like I'm Dory in the, in the Nemo movies. You know, I just, uh, I don't even remember nothing from one second to the next. I'm still shocked that people would find the truth off-putting. But they do. Why do I forget that? Another thing to bring up is maybe you faded. Maybe you faded. Maybe you know Jesus, but you for sure have set your cross down in favor of your best life now. Coincidence, I would use the phrase best life now. Nope, I use it intentionally. Because that's not what we're offered. Our best life is found in the joy of being surrendered to Jesus and carrying our cross. And as dead people, we don't have a lot of the stresses and anxiety of people who are trying to save their own life. And we live for the kingdom to come. We put our treasures in heaven. Well, today can be the day that you pick up your cross again if you faded. And in denying yourself, you go all in with Jesus for such a time as this. That is the true servant's best disciple life. Point number five. It is better to ultimately succeed with the truth than to temporarily succeed with a lie. And trust me, this earth, your life, it's temporary. See, eventually Ahab's rejection of the truth cost him his life. Micaiah's dedication to the truth brought him to power. This world is in desperate need of the truth. Your friends and family in this community and wherever we can reach out with the gospel truth, if we can do it without reservation while carrying our cross and denying ourselves is what I feel we must do. We cannot be intimidated by momentary threats of failure. The truth of Jesus Christ will outlast every life and every human. And we have a world to tell. Jesus Christ will outlast all the lies. All the falsehood. So let me paraphrase the rest of chapter 22 for you. Micaiah did prophesy that Ahab would go to battle and that he would die there. And that is exactly what happened. You can read it for yourself in your devotion times this week. So one more time, I'm going to hit it to you again. Bonhoeffer said this. It's such a great quote. To deny ourselves and take up our cross means there is no place we will not go, no sacrifice we will not make, and no command we will not obey. And I want to add to it, no truth we will not tell. So I'm going to close the, song, uh, the message today with lyrics from a song from 2003. I knew this song before an incident that in 2012 hit me really hard. And so I'm driving down the highway and I have all these Christian songs on CD. I have mixed CDs, you know, with like 20 different artists on them and stuff. Had pretty good studio back in the day. I could make some good stuff. So I'm driving down the highway and I'm playing this CD and this song hit me like a ton of bricks. There's only one other time, and that was back in the 90s, I got hit with the Rich, Rich Mullen song, and then this, this time. These are the only two that I can say in my 59 years of being on this planet where I know God used that moment to change me. I had the song, I repeated it two or three times. Eventually, I'm in tears, and I'm just pounding the dash, and I'm pounding the steering wheel, and I'm weeping over how stupid I have been trying to do ministry, trying to do broadcasting in life, Many times in my own way. 
The song is called Once Again by a band called Fusebox. And I'm going to just read you the lyrics. I'm not going to try to sing because that would clear the room and we don't have enough people here the way it is. It says, Once again I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. Once again I thank you. Once again I pour out my life. Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice. You became nothing, poured out to death. Many times I've wondered at your gift of life, and I'm in that place once again. Then the chorus, once again I looked upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy, and I'm broken inside. Once again I thank you. Once again I pour out my life. Now you are exalted to the highest place, king of the heavens, where one day I'll bow. But for now, I marvel at your saving grace. And I'm full of praise once again. I'm full of praise once again. Then there's the chorus again. And at the end of the chorus, when he says, once again, I thank you, once again, I pour out my life. Then there's a bridge, there's a change. And in an anthem form, they start singing, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. And then they go back to the chorus one more time. And at the very end of the song, there's just a slight change. And the lead singer sings, Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice. What about you? You have need today? Come and pray and get it sorted out. You're watching online because of the weather? Pray and get it sorted out. My job is to be here for you in any way that you would want me to be. I'll help you. But I can't help you the way the Lord can help you. Reach out to him today and think about his sacrifice as you deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share this. Thank you for the impact it's had on me this week, writing it. And Lord, may it be something that you use for your glory. Lord, those of us who want to just sell out for you and denying ourselves and carrying our cross for such a time as this, help us grow stronger together under the banner of Fresh Encounter Church. Fresh Encounter Church where we come as we are and we leave changed. And sometimes the way we are on Sundays is beaten down, struggling, and we need to be refreshed. And nothing refreshes like your truth. It's so awesome. We love you and thank you and praise you, Jesus. Amen. Salvaged by God is the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Danielson out of Fresh Encounter Church in Harlan, Iowa. For more of Chris's teaching and a couple podcasts you might like, go to freshroadmedia.com.